Remember that desire and contentment are two sides of the same coin, so one will inform the other. And hear me, if it's connected to God and his deepest desires for us, then contentment is only found when desires merge with his. It's Kate. And it's JJ. <laughs> hey, I am actually wearing my bow today, if you're watching on YouTube, in honor of today's episode guest, which is Bethany Allen, because Bethany is in her bow era, I would say. Wouldn't you, JJ? I think every girl's in their bow era right now. <laughs> For the to last be time I saw her spoke, speak, she was wearing a bow, and you were like, Bethany, you look so good in your bow era. <laughs> I think every girl's in her bow era. When did it start? Do you know? It's been the last six months. It's a trend. Do you know who started it, though? No. Not right now. I'm not in fashion the way I was before, babe. Okay, next question. Yes. Can guys wear a bow? No. Please don't. Needless to say. <laughs> what about, like, a long bow? Needless to say. What? Yeah, like Robin Hood. Okay. Let me tell you about <laughs> the episode with Bethany today. So... This is actually a talk she did at HODC Atlanta, which is almost a year ago. Yeah, she had the and she had a power fit. Speaking she, of speaking of costume, power suit. She's wearing that pink power suit. Do you think she got more compliments on the talk or her outfit? Her outfit, but her talk too. <laughs> her outfit to her face, but then her talk second, you know? Yeah. Or behind her back, not in a bad way. But she, um, she's a single woman. She is on the teaching team at Bridgetown Church up in uh, Portland, which is one of my favorite church communities, by the way. Shout out to John Mark Homer and just love him. But Bethany is, is just so talented in speaking truth and she's so theologically sound. And this talk that we had asked her to do was about, you know, how do we wrestle with these two big words in Christian culture, desire and contentment. Woo! If you're triggered already, just wait. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and she's speaking about it from a lens of being a single woman herself. And for that matter, a single pastor, single leader, like, oh my goodness. And so really awesome. It's like that question of if I desire a spouse, will I definitely get one? If I desire a spouse, will I definitely, is it insured if I desire one? And that's a good desire that I absolutely will get a spouse. It's a good question. I mean, like, can we choose that for ourselves mm. or is it a desire that God is withholding a right gift to mm -hmm. and an answer to? So we aren't that eloquently spoken on this topic. So we'll let Bethany really dive in once you hear it. Um, as far as intelligence, yes, it goes, Bethany, Kate. Monster, massive guy. Lovey, Teddy, and then JJ. And JJ. I'm just <laughs> but we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, we've mentioned YouTube a few times. Shout out to our YouTube fam. Come over to YouTube. And I just was reading today. Someone was like, hey, I actually love and prefer watching the podcast on YouTube because there's just more personality. And I'm like, yes, there is. Yeah. I mean, they're probably talking about you. Uh, to clarify, but yes, much more personality. Because JJ is all, is so great, but if you'll see on YouTube sometimes when I'm talking a lot, he'll just have this blank stare. He's like, huh. And I'm like, babe, we are being recorded. I, I'm not an auditory guy. I, I you, you can definitely notice He's just in interviews. And even now, like, I'm just like looking off into the distance. And I, we have a park across the street from our house. And there's like always geese over there and kids and stuff playing. And I just sometimes. Squirrel. like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, YouTube fam. And if you haven't watched us on YouTube, come join us on YouTube. Um, hey, real quick, I want to highlight a resource for today's episode. It's our prayer guide. Okay. Heartofdating.com forward slash resource forward slash prayers. And it's various prayers for different seasons of your singleness. And it's a free guide. So go check it out. Very last thing that I actually want to talk about is we have an event coming up for Valentine's Day 
for our Patreon community. Let's flip and go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. Um, Cause now we're in the month of love. And so next week we are doing a Patreon exclusive event where we are doing a live, like heart of dating episode and we're doing live matchmaking, okay? So if you are hearing this and you're like, I don't have any good plans around Valentine's Day, come and join us. In order to do that, you have to be a part of our Patreon fam. And if you wanna apply for these blind dates to be match made, you can, but you gotta join Patreon. So you just gotta go to patreon.com forward slash heart of dating. I'm so pumped because I already know the bachelor and bachelorette that we have lined up and they are awesome. What, you know? Yes. You chose without me? Yeah, me and the team did. Sorry. What? Yeah, Are they cool? You were yawning when I was saying that. Are thing. they so exciting? <laughs> so interested right now. <laughs> it had nothing to do with your awesome <laughs> intro, which you're great at. You're so... Did you have coffee? Like... Five minutes no, ago, like an hour ago, I was laying in bed nauseous. Okay, babe, this is just for my heart. But you're bringing fam. so much energy. It's for them, okay? Okay, I love it. But yeah, I, I the match, the blind dates are going to be lit. If you so want you selected to, yeah, the bachelor, selected the bachelor and bachelorette. Wow. So you get a chance to go on a live blind date, and you can ap- apply. And we might do this again in the future. So, but you know, you got to be a part of Patreon. So we hope to see you there for Valentine's Day for the live episode and live matchmaking. And you can apply to do that. If you go to Patreon, it's going to be super, super fun. All right. So without further ado, let's give Bethany the the floor from for the rest of this episode. I know. I actually, <laughs> confession time, I haven't listened to it. JJ, you were I there. Was, I was in the back. Always oh, snacking and I drinking can't. water. and It's one of the... I was sitting in the front row. Best talk. Loved it. Amazing. Chef's kiss. You guys are going to love it. All right. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Hello. Oh, wow. That's hot. That's hot. The room's hot. Am I right? Hello? Yeah. Some of you, it's like, not hot enough. I get you. I'm feeling you, but we're going to crank it up. Oh, I'm so not a hype person, but I'm trying really hard. The suit is here to bring some of that. You feel the authority with this? Yeah, well, good. Uh, Listen, like Lee said, we're best friends, and she didn't know it until last night. So weird. Do you ever follow people on Instagram, and you're like, I love them, and uh, maybe they remember me, Uh, and she didn't. So anyway, I had that moment, but then soul connection, like she said, and a Holy Spirit uh, moment. Like Elise said, I'm from Portland, not to be confused with Maine. I am from Portland, Oregon, uh, where people go to never grow up, hipsters live, we have great coffee, and we're all very weird. Uh, So if you're like, she's weird, that's okay. That's where I come from. That's what's going on here. And uh, I am excited to get to talk to you this afternoon about desire. And, uh, and contentment. Yes, everybody's favorite. So I just want to say, because I know where I am. I know I'm at a Christian conference. I just want to say that even just now, I know I said the word contentment. And for many of us, you're triggered now. You have shut me out already. And I just want to say, if you need to, just in this moment, take a deep breath. Maybe grab the hand of the friend next to you. Hello? Some of you need to take this opportunity. Uh, to do that, just to send to yourself before the word comes. Let's do that together because truthfully, I really do have, I feel like an exciting word to share with us and one that I feel like God has given me to say. So um, like Elise said, let's just lean in. Now, I want to say that the stories I'm sharing with you today or the word that I'm bringing you today isn't coming from some abstract reality because that would suck. (laughs) It is actually coming from my real life, from the things in my life, really the journey in my life of what it's been to try to balance both desire and contentment. This desire I feel for a partner, for children, for a family, for this life I always dreamed of, and yet somehow finding satisfaction in the waiting. And the truth is, it hasn't been an easy journey. I would never lie to you about that. And I'm sure many of you feel the same way. I've had a lot of pivotal moments along the way. And specifically, I had an experience a few years ago that kind of unraveled me. Maybe you've had one. Maybe you're having one. 
But this moment kind of unraveled for me what I'd always been taught about contentment and my desire for something more. Um, some of you were 10 when this happened, but the year was 2009. I don't know. I don't know where we're at in the spectrum on the room in the room here, but um, Avatar, the first movie, came out then, and uh, Blackberries were acceptable cellular devices. Yeah, some of you are like, what? You can Google that later. Um, I was 24 years old, and I was finishing up my spring semester of seminary, and my boyfriend was going to Alaska for the summer. And it had been five years of loving him and loving him with all my heart, more than I had loved anyone else ever. He was funny and handsome, and we spoke the same language, and he loved Jesus and the church, and he was smarter than me, which is, uh, yeah, anyway, I won't go on about that, but... (laughs) He also drove, drove a, a white Chevy Silverado, and so that for me was a bonus. Anyway, I grew up in Florida, but anyway, uh, all that to say, um, he was my best friend, and we were supposed to get married. But at the end of the story, um, at the end of our journey, he didn't choose me. And to say that was complicated and messy would be an understatement. Because for me, that moment ranks up there as one of the most impactful and devastating things relationally that has ever happened to me, and I have other stuff. So for me, this moment was a turning point, and the worst part was I felt like God was really in it, you know? I felt like um, the feelings I had for him were godly desires. They were in God's heart, and yet it didn't happen. And while I thought the worst of it was this man leaving me and the dream I had crashing, that actually wasn't true. Because what what came to be in the months that followed was in the fallout, all these Christians surrounded me, and this actually became the most confusing and really devastating part. Because all the Christian people around me began to say things to me like, you know, you made an idol out of him, and that's why this didn't work. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, you, yes, and it was bad. And they made statements like, you just weren't ready and you weren't content in the Lord. And that's why this hasn't happened for you. And that obviously was not the last time I heard those statements either. And I can say those things now and you can react because you know how painful they are. And it's easy now to speak them in kind of a benign way, but their impact on my spiritual life and my understanding of who God was and what he calls us to was actually really catalytic. Because for me, their subtle, passive, or aggressive Christian messaging uh, changed the way I thought about myself and the world. What I heard in their words was that desire was dangerous and that contentment was fragile. And both of those things... Both of those realities set me on a trajectory in my relationship life that forced me to redefine my own goodness, as many have talked about today, and God's goodness as well. To redefine what I actually believed about desire and contentment. That whole season left me holding some really important questions that I think for all of us, we've either asked or we will ask at some point. Like, how do you hold desire for something while also being content in your current season? And deeper than that, what do I or can I expect out of life? And what can I expect from God in my life? You see, I've I've been following Jesus a long time, and maybe you have too. And if it's true that you have, then you probably know what I'm talking about. When I talk about a wrestle, a tension you feel regularly between this world and the ache for something that would actually satisfy a deeper desire in you. You know what it is. Maybe you haven't named it, but you know that there is something out there that's able to satisfy your deepest desires. And while that tension is part of the spiritual journey, and it's beautiful and theologically rich and noble in so many ways, when it intersects with our real life, it's a little more tricky. And when it intersects with my deepest desires, the things I feel are the most true and alive in me, that's when things get hairy. So today, because I am a Bible teacher, so we're going to get into the scriptures. Did I wake some of y'all up? Come on. All right. Okay. We're going to get into the scriptures. Uh, We're going to get into the scriptures. We're going to talk about two examples to me of people who lived in this tension that we're talking about with both contentment and desire, and seemingly reframe the trajectory of what both of those things actually mean, Uh, leaving us, I think, with a clearer picture of what we can actually 
carry and hold on to as we walk out this tension in reality. Because whether you like it or not, you have a choice around this topic. And so today, you can either join me on the adventure and let God maybe speak to you or not. But that's your prerogative. So I just want to invite you to do it, though. Can I beg you to do it? Because I think God wants to do something among us. So that sound good? All right, listen. How many of you have your Bibles? Would you put your hand in the air? All right, room, look around. I'm kidding. (laughs) The faithful and the few, am I right? Okay. Uh, Listen, okay, that was a word for some of you. You got a warning, and uh, that was good. If you do have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. If you want to turn there, you don't have to. Some of you will know this scripture, but Philippians chapter 4, you knew I was going to go here. Let's look at the infamous words of Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he writes this, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. We're just going to read it real quick. I'll read it over you. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in many and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me it's on the doily at your mom's house. You know, the, you know the scripture. Now, I know you expected this. She's teaching on contentment. She's got to read Paul's words. You're right. But would you just stay with me a second? Because I think there's something in this for us that's really significant. Again, I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd. Yikes. And also so attractive. Um, so just bear with me, and then we're going to get to it, okay? You're waiting for screaming. It's coming at the end. So here, let's look at this, Philippians chapter 4. Here we pick up at the end of Paul's letter. This is written to the church of Philippi. If you need a little historical context, this is a letter he wrote when he was in prison. Why is that important? Because he's saying some really strong things. And if I were in prison, these aren't the things I'd be saying. Now the church, the Philippian church, was known for their wealth and their often indulgent lifestyle. And they sent Paul a little financial gift, which was a blessing. So in verse 10, he responds to them and he's like, thank you. And also thank you for having a generous heart. And then... In verse 11, Paul says something pretty simple, and yet it really is layered with meaning. He tells his readers that that he has learned to be content whatever his circumstances. And the key phrase I want you to get there is whatever his circumstances. This isn't some medieval context. He is saying as a human that in whatever emotional circumstance, whatever relational circumstance, whatever physical circumstance, he has actually learned to be content that he has in seasons of need and in seasons of want, learned the secret, he says in verse 12, being content in every situation. And there are two things from this text I don't want us to miss. And here's the first, that Paul says he's learned to be content. Now, the word content here in the Greek means to be satisfied with what one has, free from the need of anything external, or even an external set of circumstances that were different to actually satisfy. The image here is that of something containing sufficient sources or resources within itself so it doesn't need anything else to bring it peace or wholeness. So here we find Paul saying that he's learned to be satisfied, soul satisfied, both with what he has and where he is and who he is. That no matter his situation, he has a soul at rest. Now, that's the first part. So you got it, content? I know some of you are like, man. Anyway, just keep, come on, stay with me. You with me? I know you're thinking about dinner. Me too. All right, stay with me. Now, look, Paul says the second thing. Here's what's important. He says, I have learned to be content. Learned is the key word. The Greek word there is montano. Can you say that, montano? Montano. Okay, a little Italian. You weren't expecting that. I'm waking you up. Now, this montano is the discipline or the practice in which one directs their mind to something and it produces an external result. So more simply put, it means you learn through and by experience, meaning that contentment is not just a spiritual idea or some set of um, rhythms that we as followers of Jesus happen upon. Instead, he says it's a discipline. It is, in simpler terms, a choice. Contentment for you is a church choice. It's something that formed in Paul, something he actually had to contend for, and something he learned through experience. So from possessions to influence to people, Paul knew that none of those things would actually satisfy the ache, the deeper ache of the things he carries within. That makes sense, right? Paul had a really weird life. Does anyone know that? 
Super weird, blind, road, dirt. Anyway, he, you need, it's so interesting. You need a, he had a really insane life. And what he's saying is the deepest ache of my soul was not satisfied with anything but Jesus. And that's why in verse 13 he says, I can do all things. Which another way you can read that is, is I can do anything through the one who empowers me and enables me to be satisfied. I can do anything. Making Jesus and dependence on him central and key to experiencing contentment. So some of you are looking for contentment, but you don't have Jesus, you're not going to find it. And so that, anyway, that must be a word for me. Okay, so there's tons there, but that's not enough for me because I love Paul and he is very cool. And I love his teachings and I love studying it. But when I think about Paul, I'm like, that's Paul. And I'm Bethany in my hot pink suit trying to get a boyfriend. I mean, you know, that's me. Open in hot Atlanta, traveling, dropping hankies. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of work in this city. And he has some great points, but I need something a little bit messier to connect with. So I'm going to bring you over to a messier dude, and we're not going to read the text because I don't have time because I have some other things I want to say to you. But if you would, if you have it in your hands, the Bible, would you turn to Psalm chapter 16? And listen, if you don't have a devotional, do one tomorrow and read this scripture and just read it a couple times and say, God, what would you say to me? Psalm 16, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. And it's here that we actually find are plopped into the middle of a very personal prayer written by this guy by the name of David. You remember David? King Davy. Some of you are familiar with him, some of you are not, but for those of you who are not, need to know that David, like Paul, was a man of passion, a man of desire. Can anyone relate? Can the brothers relate in here? Anybody a man of passion? Come on, let's wake the room. Now that's it. Now I'm helping you ladies. Look around. These are some cues for some of us. It's like, okay. And you know, I like David because he's so aggressive with his words. He's so aggressive with God in his heart, and he never shies away from being honest with God from telling God the absolute truth and all that he desires. And yet we see that no matter what circumstance he finds himself in, he is led back to a place of satisfaction. So we have to ask ourselves, what's going on with Paul? Again, I don't have time to read this, but Psalm chapter 1, and read it all the way through to chapter 11. At the end, it says this. David just says this to him. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of your life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. You fill me. And there's a lot there. Again, don't have time. But, but the point here is that David is saying something that's really important for us to get. David doesn't mince words. He does this great cocktail of like heart and passion and honesty with God. And he, most of the time, by the way, you should know David's usually in dire circumstances and not on the brink of contentment. That's just not his life. But the contentment we do see in David, at least across scriptures from the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, we see that his desire and his contentment seem to be rooted in the same thing. And this isn't the first time that we'll see this from David, nor is it the last. Now, this is wild because David had no reason to be content. You might think he did because he was a king, but he had a pretty gnarly life. You know, he had a lot of power, and yet he didn't have a lot of power. He knew the ups and downs. I don't know if you know this, but David ran to hide from his enemies, and then he had friends who turned into enemies. Some of you know about those people. And, and that included his son. That was his life, was being on the run from enemies. He also lost a son to the product of adultery. He killed a man to cover his sin. He longed to build a house for God, but God said no, and he didn't even get to see it through his son Solomon. There were things David didn't get and things that didn't go David's way. And yet what we see in David's life is that he was filled with desire and contentment. David somehow seemingly learned to hold both, to know both. And despite every desire not being met and every circumstance not going his way, he had hope that led him to find rest for his soul. What's up, fam? You guys have already heard both of us talk about Factor 75 Meals. We love them. Every time the box comes, it's like the greatest day of my We're life. Like, yeah. I just look at the end of my day. I love cooking, but I don't love cooking for an hour and a half just for Kate and I to wolf it down in like five Especially minutes. Especially you. You were like gobbling it. In like I know. I eat so minutes. fast. So if you're telling me I can get food that's better than anything I can cook and to prep it and cook it 
It takes two minutes. Literally, and it's restaurant quality meals. Like they're so good. This is like my dad's dream come true. When my mom would leave the house and he had to cook, <laughs> we would eat microwave lasagna. And let me tell you, it was disgusting. So the fact that this is a microwavable meal absolutely blew my mind. So if you're looking for a fast upscale options without even having to push four buttons on your phone and wait 45 minutes for Uber Eats to get to you. Yep. This is even better. It's flexible for your schedule. You can choose anywhere from six to 18 meals so you can go up or you can go down. Per week. Yeah, and I just, for me, like I love really, really tasty food with flavors, especially my favorite thing is like anything that's like really, really packed with flavor. Yeah. with like sauces and little condiments that I could never have the time or creativity to make on my own that take a nice chicken and broccoli and rice meal and just takes it to the next level. It's so good. That's yeah. Factor 75. It's so so you guys can head to factormeals.com slash heartofdating50 and use the code heartofdating50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. Again, that's code heartofdating50 at factormeals.com slash heartofdating50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. I'm telling you, do it. Just That's a great it deal. It's so good. It really is a great deal. It's so good. So just try it out. Yay. Now, this is important. This is the, let's, let's get into it now. So Paul and David, who do you like better? See, I knew you weren't listening. This is embarrassing. All right, just pick one. Just David, you know what I mean? David. It's okay. Or Paul, whoever you want. I'm going to be so embarrassed if I ever rewatch this. But uh, what I want us to get here is this. This is just really important. This is my summary. Paul and David, in them, we see an image that actually challenges what it means to walk well in our season, whatever it may be. You see, what I love about these two and what we see in both of them is that each fought for and fought against the challenges and the tensions that many of us have spent most of our adult life avoiding. Somewhere within their wrestle with God and with their desires, they found contentment and satisfy their souls. And while you and I would like to chalk that up to their superhero Bible status, the truth is what we see in them has less to do with their abilities and more to do with their willingness to avoid sanitizing what they most desired before God and trusting God that he would be faithful to them without compromise until the end. You with me? So that hurts. I know. I had to write that. It was bad. Both Paul and David, they, they live lives that show us that human nature and even much of Christendom has tried to, for centuries, separate contentment from desire. And yet what we see from the scriptures is that God does not. You see, it's from their wrestle, from their desire and contentment and how they're inherently linked that we find I think a greater revelation, greater insight. See, these are two sides of the same coin, desire and contentment. Each need each other. Each inform the other, and both are driving forces behind human behavior in the heart. And if we get that truth, that can change everything for us. It really can. The problem is that for the last 50 years, at least in the church or in church culture, we've also separated these things. We've allowed desire to live over here and contentment to live over here. And in doing so, we've redefined the terms in a way that has made both indirectly at odds with each other. Historically, in this conversation, desire has been framed as this kind of active word, something that needs to uh, be pursued and yet at the same time tamed because it's a little messy, at least in the church context. Get your desire in check. And in that, we've received the message that it's dangerous. Now, contentment, on the other hand, has historically been seen as kind of a passive reality, a marker in the Christian life that's distinguished by kind of a reluctant acceptance or abdication, rather than a deliberate life-giving choice or experience, making that seem fragile and difficult at best and boring and ineffective at worst. And these frameworks, these narratives, have allowed for many of us to make assumptions about our own hearts and our own situations that have ultimately led us to a disempowered and limited view of what is actually possible within both. So here's the question. Is anyone else sweating? <laughs> That's not the question, but it's hot in here. <clears throat> the 
question remains, how do we get beyond these definitions? Because you don't need those. I just want you to see the dysfunction of both. How do we get beyond these definitions to the power that lies within them? And how do we know what to expect when we do? I'm so glad I asked. Um, In order for us to really understand this and reframe our experience, we have to first understand what we're working with. What I mean is you have to understand what desire is. Beyond what your youth pastor told you, beyond what culture keeps communicating to you, you have to, from a lens that has actual power and authority from Jesus, understand what desire is and understand what it means for us as humans. And then from there, lean into how it informs both your present and your future. And then after that, and only after that, can you consider what it means to find contentment, to an experience of a soul that is satisfied, satisfied in what we have and in who we are. So we're going to take a minute and look at both. You with me? Great. Let's talk about desire. You ready? Yes. Some of you are like, I am ready, girl. (laughs) Thank you. I'm just giving myself compliments up here like I need to. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Again, sweating. You know those curls start to form because the sweat's coming? Girls, you know what I'm talking about? It's about to get wavy. (laughs) All right. Here's Webster's Dictionary's definition. Desire, they say, is to long for, to hope for something or someone. Now, that's super basic, but it does get the job done, at least in a, a generic kind of understanding. And that does work until it comes to actually expressing the power it has over us. Because all of us know at a deeper level that desire is the currency of the soul. It is the vehicle for relational connection and human agency. And it's powerful. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. But the question we have to ask is why? I mean, we have to ask ourselves why, as created beings, why this thing we call desire lives so deeply within and why it feels so connected to our experience of the world and of God and of other people. And I did a little bit of homework on this, and honestly, it's so embarrassing. It didn't take me very long, because I found the answer, and it was really surprising and yet simple and profound for my own personal experience on the journey. It's amazing to me how often so many of us forget in the Christian context that desire was and is a central part of our creation. It's actually a part of our design. In Genesis, we see from the beginning that desire would be what would inform how we would live and where and how we would actually find fulfillment, meaning that desire wasn't an impulse that emerged from some cosmic slime. It's a key part to how God wants us to know him and to relate to the world around us. And it means that despite its weird narratives and all the things that culture and purity culture and Christian culture has said about desire, hear me when I say desire is good. Desire is good. And you can hear me say that and be like, cool, rad, or I don't know what, I have no idea what cool people say anymore. (laughs) It's awesome. But listen, you have to get this and you have to, if you want this transformed in your life, believe this. Because if we do, it actually changes the game on how we experience God's fulfillment of our desires. Did you hear what I said? If we get this, that that desire is good, it actually is going to change the way we receive the fulfillment of our desires because if desire is from God, then only God can fulfill desire. Another way to say that is that the creator of desire is the only one who can fulfill it. And getting that sets the stage for a new reality of freedom and a new way of embracing what we most desire, which is exciting for those of us who have feelings in the room. If it's true that desire is from God, and by the way, it is true, and if it's for God, then the math goes this way. Our design informs our desire, and our desire informs our destiny. It informs our future. It informs the reality that we live in both prophetically and now, if we actually believe that. And the truth should take the pressure off of our little panicked selves, which we're often subversively or I don't know, again, cool, I'm never, I'm like, I'm freaking out. But some of you are like, I'm so good, I look good. I'm not feeling that way, but it should take the pressure off of you because the pressure you feel is that you believe you have to find fulfillment yourself, that you are responsible for your own fulfillment of your desires. And so you've reached outward and inward and tried to make it happen. And the truth is you can't receive it unless you're actually connecting the design to the designer. 
Now, that's desire. You with me? Anyone else sweating in here? Yeah. All right. Now let's look at contentment, and then we're almost coming home. You ready to come home? Some of you are like, I'm ready for a drink. Thank you. (laughs) Same Z's. Now, contentment can be defined as a state of happiness or satisfaction. But most of us know that while that definition makes sense, contentment, at least as we desire it, has a deeper reach. And it's connected more broadly to our mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual satisfaction, which, by the way, is a heavy lift. And yet, contentment, while often looked at as a concession or this kind of of out-of-reach reality, is, if we pull on the thread, actually the outcome of a fulfilled desire. Did you hear me? Contentment equals fulfilled desire. Some of you are like, what? Yeah. Now, while divorced, while we've often divorced from it, desire actually lives in the ecosystem of our contentment. Remember that desire and contentment are two sides of the same coin, so one will inform the other. And hear me, if it's connected to God and his deepest desires for us, then contentment is only found when desires merge with his, or in the language of Romans, conformed to his which means that contentment, if grown and known in the ecosystem of desire that is connected to God, connected to the creator, it will also be anchored in him. If desire, hear me, leads to destiny, which I believe it does, then contentment leads us to Christ himself. If desire leads us to destiny, then contentment leads us to Christ himself. Now, some of you shut me off with that statement because it was too churchy for you. But hear me when I say the reason most of us don't know how to hold desire and contentment, it's because we don't believe that Jesus is enough. And that's the rub. We don't believe that that truth, that contentment leading to Christ is good news for us. Not practically. God, you don't get it. It's so lame. I have to find you in the scriptures. You know, and I get it. I'm like that too. I'm like, listen, man. I'm a woman. Okay? I have needs and desires And a lot of beauty that's going wasted on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? So, long fingers, willing to support a ring, all of that. But my appeal to you is to consider whether it's true or not. Because the reframing of these terms, the redefinition of these terms, understanding what they actually mean and what they are meant to lead us to, can set us on a trajectory of hope. And so many of you need hope in this room. You need hope for whatever season you're in. You need hope for the places you don't feel you have enough hope. You need hope for what you most want. But hear me when I say the cost is trust. Christopher West, a famous voice on sexuality in the kingdom, as well as a robust theologian, I love him, he once said that all the hungers we have for love for union, for happiness, are given to us by God to lead us to him. The difference between a saint and the greatest sinner is where they go to satisfy that hunger. And I said, that's good, Chris. I mean, we're not friends, but yeah, you know. (laughs) The truth he says here leads us to understand that the dance we all do in our singleness and in our marriages, and in the journey of life, learning what it means to hold desire honestly before God and learning to be content in Him, to be satisfied in Him no matter our circumstances, will actually demand a dependence on what only God can do, a surrender of what we cannot do within ourselves. And this is the rub. This is where most of us get stuck because the threshold of surrender, of believing that God is actually good, when my circumstances don't feel good, when I'm in the throes of rejection, when my clock metaphorically is ticking, but it is the Lord who opens and closes the womb. Let me say that to the room. When I don't feel like I can trust his goodness to me, I have to hold on to the fact that scriptures say it is impossible for God not to be good to me. And all of that leads me to a place where I have to consider finding satisfaction in Jesus. It is a lack of surrender that keeps us from truly knowing what it feels like to be satisfied with what we are living and who we have in our lives, which means that contentment is something we will have to contend for 
both in heart and in soul. Okay, can I tell them about Armra? Yes. Because I think they only sent us one sample for you to try out, <laughs> and I've been sneaking it. I, well, they have multiple boxes, but you've been taking it. I have it's been. It's so good. Is that okay? Yeah, I love it. Are you it. mad at me? No, I'm not. I just, like, for me, I'm with you, a pregnant wife. I can't go down and get sick because then, you know, you'd be, like, losing your butler. <laughs> Well, tell them about Armra. <laughs> well, I'm like, hey, it's cold and flu season. Everyone's going down left and right, like <laughs> dropping like flies. And I'm like, man, I got to keep my immune system up. And I have a lot of different ways that people probably don't want to follow <laughs> uh, as far as how I keep up my immune system. But Armra is one of those things that I love to promote and you guys can definitely take and agree with. Um, it's got colostrum in it. Yeah, which is so cool. Right. Which is a... So it, Armor Colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 functional nutrients to strengthen your immune barriers, your body's inside armor, okay? And it gives you first line defense against so many harmful particles in the environment that can trigger inflammation and that can actually make you sick, which is incredible. Well, and I didn't know that um, your immune cells, 80% of them are housed in your gut. So when yeah. people talk about gut health and your gut wall, that's why it's so important to take care of your gut health, which Armra really does help with. Yeah. And I've noticed like I, I do have? feel better. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's so good. So you guys, this is, so, uh, we just, we've been loving it. We've both been utilizing Armra. You can put it in a glass of water. It, there's a flavorless. And then right now I also have the orange flavor, which tastes really good to be honest. And so we have worked out a special offer for our audience. You guys can receive 15% off your first order. All you have to do is go to tryarmra.com slash HOD, or you can enter code HOD to get 15% off your first order. Let me spell it out for you just in case you don't ha know how to spell this. It's T-R-Y, try, armra, A-R-M-R-A dot com slash HOD. You guys, it is sustainably sourced. It has so many incredible benefits and it's really easy to incorporate into your routine. So I would do it right now. Yes. <laughs> now, most of us know that is not easy to do. And I'm the first one to tell you it's not easy to do. I'm no expert. It's not why they got asked here. They just heard about my suit and they thought it'd be good <laughs> for me to come. And I know more than anyone that life isn't perfect. I've been pastoring almost 20 years. I know the world is broken. I know the lives and brokenness of people. I know my own brokenness, my family's brokenness. I know there are real obstacles to knowing this reality in your life. And I want to name those obstacles this afternoon just to name them for the room, to say together that we all struggle with these things. And then I want to exhort you on how we move through them. Ready? We got four minutes. So here we go. <laughs> first obstacle. The first obstacle many of us face is control. Our great age-old desire for it burns. It lives in us, does it not? Since the garden, every human has carried within themselves a desire to be like God. And while that desire is good, when it's mixed with sin, the desire moves from wanting to be like God to wanting to be God. And that becomes a place of bondage and control, where we live under the tyranny of trying to keep up and make things happen. But because we aren't God, things get really messy really fast, and we start to do weird things. Yes? Some of you Instagram stalkers know what I'm talking about. It's okay. This is a safe place uh, for you if you stay within good boundaries. Now, the weird things we start to do are trying to control mostly our outer world instead of our inner world. And when we do that, both of those things are rendered powerless. Because you see, control is ultimately a byproduct of an unsurrendered life. A life that believes it has to create its own goodness. And that keeps us from living from a place of peace. From being the creature, not the creator. And it also keeps us from knowing the goodness of God that we ourselves could never produce. Every story you've heard on this stage today was not a witness to the individual, but to the God who created and crafted the dream of the individual. This is how it goes. You cannot create 
not in the way that God can. And your deepest desires, you can't reach that far. But the one who made you can. So control, considering a life that's unsurrendered. Next, disappointment. Control is not the only obstacle that many of us face because often there's even a greater obstacle for most of us, and I would say this is me. This is my biggest obstacle, especially when I entered my 30s, which I'm still in. (laughs) And honestly, that's disappointment. The very waves of sadness and grief we experience because of what we thought could be or would be or should be, and it isn't. Disappointment is a real part of the journey And because it is a reflection of the ache of our desires, whether broken or holy, it is the emotional powerhouse that keeps most of us from ultimately believing God is good and trusting ourselves to him completely. Disappointment can keep many of us from experiencing what we most deeply desire, but not because God hasn't been good, but because we haven't brought our disappointment to him. Disappointment is okay. And listen, it will always be part of life this side of heaven, but what we do with it will determine our future disappointment. Now, finally, perspective, and I'm just going. I want to name the thing that I think so many of us um, know in the contending for contentment space and the thing that I think most of us lack, and that is perspective. And I could say a lot here, but I have to sum it up because, again, time is ticking. But I just want to say that the right perspective of what you already possess leads to contentment in the midst of unmet desires. That's the big idea here. So when it comes to perspective, the right one of what you already possess leads to contentment in the midst of your unmet desires. And that means that a wrong perspective will keep you from it. Perspective is everything, and I don't mean like the grass is always greener, and when you're 90, you'll see why. That stuff's for the birds, and it's super unhelpful. Don't say it to anyone. The kind of perspective I'm talking about is more connected to what is and what could be rather than what should be. Perspective isn't about what is before you, but about the way you are looking at what is before you. And if, if you if the way you were looking at life and your relationship status is all connected to control and disappointment and the world's definition of satisfaction, then it will always suck. But if you can see what you already possess, I mean already possess right now in heaven and from Jesus, and not just like mystically, like, and I am a spiritual formation person, I mean now, what you possess with clothes on your back and food in your belly, what you possess and the promises he has over and for your life, then everything can change. Our obstacles are often centered around what we worship and where we place our hope. And my question to you is, where do you place your hope? Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to just do that. Um, Let me tell you how, and then I'm done. So how do you, because I can't leave you hanging. How do you you move through this? I'm, I'm, again, not the expert, just the girl in the pink suit. Um, But I want to bless you with these things that I've learned in my 37 years on this earth. It's hard to believe, isn't it? (laughs) Just like it was yesterday, am I right? Yeah, yes, yes, still got it. (laughs) So that's good. Hope for all of us. Now, the first thing I want to say is this. If you're going to do this, if you're going to navigate this, you have to get honest about your desires. And hear what I'm going to say about this. You need to learn to tell God the truth. So many of us don't tell God the truth. Tell him the truth. I am devastated. I'm so confused because at 24, I was supposed to have a baby already. Because I've had few men who would get me all the way to the point of marriage and all of them bailed the last second. What is going on? Those are our conversations, and that aggressive, if not more. Tell God the truth about what you want, about what you're experiencing. And like I said earlier, don't sanitize what you're saying to him. True relationship is built on truth, and it brings liberty to those who access it. So get honest about your desires. And you know what? Tell other people. I've been scrutinized for years in ministry, like, oh, you're always the girl who's like, I'm single. Okay, listen, I'm putting it out there. I was following Heart of Dating before Heart of Dating. And, you know, I was dropping hankies from the pulpit. Like, hello, I'm dropping <laughs> tissues. And, and you know where that comes from? I'm not even being cute. It comes from the place of telling God the truth. I tell him that so I can tell you that. I'm free in Jesus and free in my desires. Okay. 
Two, choose to work it out. You are married to the Lord. You're already in a covenant, so stop acting like you're not. You are already in a covenant with the one who is covenanting you. Be faithful to him and work it out. Sometimes I say to him, I'm grabbing my lunch. I'll talk to you when I get home because I'm not interested in the conversation because we're in a fight because my heart is broken and he can do something about it and what's going on. And I'll tell you this, the second I get on the bed with him and actually have the conversation with him, all of a sudden I'm reminded of his goodness and how much better it is for me. The thing I miss a lot is I'm not willing to work it out and hear him all the way through. You don't stay long enough in the conversation to receive from him, so you miss his word to you. Choose to work it out. Moving on. Three, release the outcome. I don't know how to tell you about radical acceptance. You need to go to therapy and ask your therapist about it. Radically accept what God has given you now. I choose to radically accept my goodness in my power suit in hot Atlanta. I choose to radically accept that God has set me apart and that when I see Jesus in glory, all my, satis- all my desires are satisfied in Him. I release the outcome of this conference and of every connection I make with people because I am not the creator, I am the creation. And I yield humbly to you, King Jesus, because you're the king and I'm the servant. And I trust your goodness. You say I can't withhold anything good from the ones I love. So come fiercely with your love. I've never known him not to, and you probably haven't either. You just got to think about it. Let go of what you thought was intended for you and receive what actually is intended. And by the way, it's happening now. Fourth, welcome God's presence. Hello. And now we're ending. What does she mean by that? It's so mystical. It is. Um, Some of you need to actually encounter God's presence in your life. And that's why it feels so achy-breaky. And I say that not because I, I don't understand, but because I live and breathe that. I don't, I don't move. I, don't, I can't do much apart from knowing God's presence is with me, especially in this season. At the baby showers I sit at and the wedding showers I go to and the services I conduct for both life and death. Welcome God's presence. Learn what it means to know and to practice the presence of God in your life and let that Let that actually satisfy you. Let me just say this. Stay long enough until you're satisfied. I sometimes say to him, I'm not good. And I'm not moving until you fix that. And he's like, I got you, baby. Because he loves me more than you could conceive and more than I could conceive. And so I want to bless you to be filled with faith, to not fear whatever it is that you're in, whatever season, whatever questions you're holding up, but two, and I have to because I'm the pastor here, you got to pursue Jesus and know him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you know that. But we need to up our games. We need to lean in a little bit further and receive what he has for us. I promise you, it is enough. So come, Lord Jesus, bless my siblings now, fill them with faith and hope, fix everything I said that wasn't of you or from you, and God, catalyze everything that was. We pray this in Jesus' name. The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate and JJ Tomlin. Shout out to our epic audio and video editor, Scott Caro. We have an amazing Heart of Dating team who helps bring the show to you each week. I want to shout out Kelsey Napier, our Heart of Dating digital marketing coordinator, and Elena Gibson, our brand and community manager. We couldn't do it without them. Now, if you guys have never ranked us or reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify, would you consider doing that? It would mean so much because our podcast can get more discovered and more people can learn how to better date as Christians. Don't we all want that? We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we will see you next week.